the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For those of you guys that are new to the church and um, maybe baptism is familiar, maybe it's not familiar, but scripture teaches that when somebody would come to the Lord, um, that they would be baptized and it was kind of that sign and seal that as they go under that water, that their old life, when they go under the water, that old life, the old addictions, the old things, the old mindset, the old, just the things that so easily entangle us and keep us down, the old life is gone, and that when we come up out of the water, we are raised to new life in Jesus Christ, amen? That it's like, yeah, (laughs) that it's like you've gone into your grave, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. We've gone into your grave and you come up. The life I live now, I live in faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Brandon today comes, and Brandon, I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and step in. You can take your shoes off, whatever you need to do, brother. And then just stay standing for a minute. Brandon comes today and I, I could tell you, I could tell you about Brandon's life. That's, that song, your theme song, man. You could write a book on this, man. Addiction, brokenness, addiction, brokenness, repeat, recycle over and over again. Anything that I can cling to, pride, I'll do it myself. I don't need all those things that once marked his life. And today he comes before you because he's done with that and he's experienced and tasted the Lord. So Brandon, I'll just let you share, man. What's the Lord put on your heart? Why are you here today? I'm here because I've allowed fear me captive in my brain and separate God from all of me and so here a while back I was just drowning drowning myself with alcohol I was killing myself slowly that's what the devil wanted separation between me and my family between me and God my dad told me who's now he's in ICU right now but he said, man, she's going to leave you. So I'm going to leave before all this happens. He said, I want to give you a chance to come with me. And at that moment, God touched me. And I said, man, I can't do that. I said, I can't just walk out without putting forth my very best effort to make this right to do the right thing and to give all of myself and then I had to I had to I had to think about that and see and then I I heard I heard Aaron how's your walk with Jesus and I've done the same thing with him I haven't given him all of myself and I've allowed the what ifs of my life to hold me back from moving forward well what if I fail what if I'm not good enough? And when I allow God, it's like, well, even if I'm not good enough, just turn those what ifs to even ifs. <laughs> and so I just had to, this is what I feel like I'm instructed to do. It's part of, uh, I mean, it's scripture to, to confess your sins, to repent. And I didn't know what repentance was. I knew that it was to turn away from, but I didn't know that it wasn't to go back, not to go back. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm here for. And let me tell you what Brandon learned really quickly too. His best efforts, his best attempts would always fail in comparison to a God who takes us as we are, and He does the work, amen? And so if you're out there today, when Brandon goes under the water, yes, this is for Brandon, 
but he's a representation of what your life can be. And so if that's you today, I just want you to begin to just in your own heart know the love of God is over you today. He loves you. He's pursuing you because he will not let you go. And so if you would, church, we love to extend a hand out. If you would, I'm going to pray over Brandon. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Brandon has been transferred from the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Jesus, that he has been marked as a new man, a new creation. Father, I thank you that when the enemy sees Brandon, he no longer sees the man who was once drunk. He no longer sees the man who was once high. He no longer sees the man who was once living his own life. What the enemy sees now is a man of God that rises up out of this water. He's a new man, he's a new creation. And that, Father, you have big plans, not just for Brandon, but for his family. And so before us today that comes out of this water is a man of God that's going to use his testimony to share what our God can do. And so, Brandon, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. So Brandon and his family will be here after church. He's going to go get dried off. And as soon as he's, he's done getting dried off, when he's out there in the lobby today, he loves hugs, man. We just come around him, give him a big old bear hug. If he seems resistant, just squeeze tighter, amen? Just squeeze tighter. Man, we love you guys. God is good, amen? I'm going to invite the ushers up here. Rob, come on up here. And brother, you have all the time in the world. Remember that. Like we get out when we get out. It doesn't matter. Amen, church? No time constraints. So um, just want to pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, we love you. We declare your goodness. God, as we take up our offering this morning, I just want to remind everybody in this place, we have no desire to build Reliance Community Church's kingdom. God, what happens in these four walls is simply to, uh, in, my, in, in our hearts, God, is simply to encourage us in the gifts that you've already given your church body to go out. We are called sent ones, God, to go out into our neighborhoods, communities, God, to go out into our businesses and share this hope of Jesus with the world. So God, when we take this offering, I pray that you would help us to seed this money into the real church, and that's each life. And that, God, we would take the gospel message to the far places where people haven't heard this hope yet to our back doors where people need to be reminded of this hope. So thank you for the generosity of your people, Father. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. I want to just real quickly um, use that one right there, brother. Pull that up. Um, this is Rob Schmutz. Um, Rob Schmutz is um, our guest pastor today. He's an evangelist. Um, and I, I just want to share just real quick. I share this first service and I want to share it with you. I was, a, I was a young boy in Abilene. We grew up in the same town. I was a young boy in Abilene, um, and I watched this super cool, awesome guy that I was like, I got to be like this guy. Um, I watched him come to know Jesus, and he can share his story here in just a minute. But I want you to know, when I saw Rob come to Jesus, this was my first thought. If God can save Rob, anybody can be saved. Amen? <laughs> and I'll never forget, man. All those years watching Rob just grow as this man of God, pastor, I remember just in my heart going, holy smokes, I want to be like that guy. He's passionate for Jesus, but not just that. And I'll share the same thing this service that I shared in the last one. Um, I am honored to have Rob stand on this stage and give you the word because he doesn't care about his platform. He cares about the Jesus that's in his heart. Amen. And so as we honor him today as a church family, I want you to know that he's not an outside guest speaker. His family is not an outside guest family. They are our family. Amen, church? So will you welcome Rob? Thank Let's you. do it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, Reliance. How are you guys doing today? How many of y'all are glad to be here? Yeah. And wouldn't you rather be here today than any jail in Sedgwick County? Can I get an Amen. So, so glad you guys are here. Now, listen, after the offering is passed, here's who I am. I love to give stuff away. And so we're going to have some guys that are going to pass a plate, and I'm going to invite you to take something out of the plate. You're going to be like the only church in the Wichita metro area taking something out of the plate. Somebody say amen. That's exciting. So, uh, so what you're doing today is you're going to receive a gift. And it's not, you know, a real expensive gift. But what I believe is this is a gift 
But God wants you to receive that is actually tied to Scripture. It's tied to Scripture in such a way that it connects us with a very real gift that is very similar to this that we're going to receive in the future. So, so that's going to be passed. Take one out and make sure everybody has one. I invite you to hold on to one of these little stones. Now, as they're being passed, let me just point something out. This is not candy. Amen? And I say that because literally I've, I've been having this happen, and, and somebody will take it and put it in their mouth, and I'm like, dude, it's a rock. Just turn to the person next to you and say, man, it's a rock. So, so, so hold on to the rock. And, and I want you to just kind of let it be in your hand while we talk today. Now, as I share that with you today and as I, I pass these, uh, these stones out, I got to let you know that I'm, I'm breaking the first rule of preaching. The first rule of public speaking is, you guys, if, if you've ever taken a high school speech class, it's, you know, know your audience. Amen? The first rule of preaching is never arm your audience. Come on. So, so go easy. But... But please hold on to this stone and think about, you know, one of the things I want you to think about is why am I holding this stone? We're going to come to that. But, but as I make my way to that realization, I also want to share with you kind of personally today, this is a, this is a big week for me. Um, the 2nd of April, April 2nd, uh, it was the first Sunday in April of 1989, I, I woke up. I found myself, as I woke up, with three choices. Those three choices were suicide, and, and the reality was my life was so filled with pain, and I had made so many bad choices, and I'd created this mountain that I, I couldn't climb, and, and I dug this hole that I couldn't climb out of, and all I wanted was out. And so on that first Sunday in April, April 2nd of 1989, I woke up with three choices. Suicide, the second choice was insanity, and that was a choice, a very real choice, because I had become so, uh, so dependent on alcohol and on, on pot that that's how I navigated every day. And I, I took my first drink when I was 11 years old. I got drunk for the first time. And, and, and what, what began to happen in my life is I liked it. And so I, I drank alone from the very beginning. And so by the time 1989 rolls around, I'm, 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 I'm in bad shape. So suicide, insanity, or there's a third option. And that third option was, was a phrase I kept on hearing in, in my mind. Not a voice like I was hearing voices, but it was something that a Sunday school teacher had said to me the year I was seven and eight years old. And it was a bad year. It was a rough year because my grandma, she was my life, and, and she, she died of cancer that year. And, and my Sunday school teacher, my mom would take me to church, and, and my Sunday school teacher, her name was Mary Lou Sturtz. And this was in Abilene, Kansas. And, and, and Mary Lou, I, I was kind of a, a rambunctious little boy, and I, I think Mary, Mary Lou probably thought nobody was listening. And if you've ever been a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher, you have those moments where you're like, these kids are just not listening. But let me tell you something, they're listening. And Mary Lou said to me in that, in that moment of just things being really bad, she said, Robbie, if you ever get in a jam, you can always call on Jesus. And I kept hearing that, you can always call on Jesus. And so my three choices were suicide, insanity, or Jesus. And here, here's what I chose. I got down on my knees, and I said, Jesus, if you can save me, then save me, and I'll give you my life, and I'll never return to this person I've become. And let me tell you something. Jesus saves. Can I get an amen to that? He saves, and he transforms lives. And, and if you don't know that, you need to know that today. He can turn it all around. Now, now i got to share with you that that one of the struggles of my life and, and one of the reasons that addiction took such a hold in my life was because of a lack of an understanding of, of identity. I grew up in a single-parent home, and, and, and you know, my story is this. I never knew my dad. In fact, I'll just first service didn't get this. I'll give you kind of the story. So my mom became pregnant outside of marriage. Uh, she was in college at Emporia State University. She, got, she was engaged, uh, got pregnant. My dad said, hey, wow, that's really a bad thing. And uh, okay, well, we can stay engaged if you have an abortion. And so, so my mom said, okay, I mean, uh, yeah, whatever it takes. And so she scheduled an abortion. That was in, that was in 1967. Abortion was not legal. So she, what women did in those days is they scheduled things like 
appendectomies. And so she scheduled an, an appendectomy, a procedure to take place in Kansas City, Missouri, and, and was going to take care of her pregnancy. Literally the day before she was going to have, it was the night before she was going to have that procedure, that abortion, she had a massive hemorrhage. And she ended up in a hospital. She was a practicing Catholic at a time, about to have a, an abortion, and she ended up in Jewish hospital in Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. It sounds like a joke. Then, but wait, there's more, amen? Then, then a young Jewish rabbi comes into her room. And he finds out that she's a Catholic. And so he starts to talk to her about Jesus. And he says to her, don't you think that this Jesus that you believe in would want you to keep this gift of life that he's given you? And it was in that statement, it was in that phrase, in that conversation that my mom decided that she, she was going to keep her baby. And my dad walked, he left. And, and so, so I grew up never knowing my dad, but here's the deal. My mom, she was always honest with me. She, I always knew the truth. And, and it's a little weird to know that your mom at one time wanted to kill you and that, that your dad didn't want you. And so, so I grew up in a, in a small town, Abilene, Kansas, without a dad. And, and so it kind of creates this, some of these issues. And how many of y'all are sitting next to somebody with some issues? <laughs> Just turn to the person next to you and say, you look like you've got some issues, dude. <laughs> And so one of my issues was, was, was identity. I didn't really have a full grasp of, of who I was or, or why I was here or what I was supposed to be doing about it. And so I latched on to different things. I latched on to a lot of things that were destructive. And, and that, those things became my identity. But what I want to talk to you about today is an understanding of who you are, of why you're here, and of what what you can choose to do about it. Amen to that? Who am I? Why am I here? And, and, and what should I do about it? Now, now, this is important. You may think, oh, I don't need to know that. I'm not worried about it because I got a job. I got a life. I got, you know, here's the deal. You can spend your whole life doing that which has nothing to do with who you really are. And the danger of that is if we don't live out the purpose for which we were put on this planet, we have this propensity to gravitate towards negativity and destruction. And let me give you a great example. Anybody here a dog lover? A amen? So, so we, we, are a, we are a dog-loving family. Sometimes I wonder how much we love our dogs, but we, we are a dog-loving family, and, and we have two dogs, but, but we started off with one, and, and, and this dog's, well, we also love Mexican food. Anybody else? So, so we, we, we went down to, to Anthony, Kansas, and they had advertised uh, Australian Shepherd puppies for sale. And so we, we, we went to this house in Anthony, Kansas, and, and I, like, I like bold, aggressive dogs. Anybody else? And so, so my wife, I think she le would have leaned more towards the timid, shy dog, but, but this one dog came running to us, a little, little, just a little furball, and it, and it was white and yellow. It looked like it had cheese sauce dripped all over it. And, and I knew that was the one, and so we picked that one, and, and we named him Queso. Come on. <laughs> and so, so we loved Queso, and, and we brought Queso home, and, and we thought that we had all the shots that Queso needed, but, but that year, there was, a, there was a bad strain of the parvovirus that was going around, and so Queso got parvo. And if you've ever had a dog that gets parvo, it's pretty much terminal, amen? And it's stinky and, and sick and... And so we take the dog to the vet, and the vet says, hey, you can spend a lot of money, and it might not even work. You might want to just get another dog. And so my wife, it's so cool. My wife is a nurse midwife. She catches babies, and she knows medical stuff, amen? And, and so, so the, the vet showed us how to IV our dog. And so we IV'd the dog, was it twice a day, morning and night? And we kept it hydrated, and Jenna, my daughter Jenna, is down here with me, and she was kind of the primary caregiver. My wife was pregnant with our youngest at the time, and she had like a weird needle stick happen, and we thought we were going to have like a puppy child. We didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, so, so here's the deal. We would hold Queso, and we would IV him, and, and we would love on him, and we, and we would pray for our dog, and, and God answered prayer. Amen. Queso lived. Give God a hand. Come on. And then, then we began to notice things. Queso, remember, he's an Australian shepherd. That's a, that's a cattle dog breed. And, and we do live in the country, but we don't have any cows. 
Everybody say, Mrr. We, we do have chickens, and we discovered that Queso loved to herd chickens, and then he would, he would nip at them and catch them, and it's not that he would kill them, he would just love them to mush. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and then Queso would herd our children, you know, and then our cats, and the cats love that. And, and then we also noticed that Queso, you see, we live on five acres, and, and so he could dig anywhere, anywhere he wanted to, but he liked to dig holes right by our front door. <laughs> and we began to question whether we had interrupted the you know, natural selection process when we, <laughs> when we saved Queso. And then, then there's what happens at night. You see, Queso loves to bark and, and literally all night long, he can bark at nothing. Somebody say amen. Now, now listen, we, we thought that might be a good thing until we had a guy knock on our door. 3 a.m. Queso didn't make a sound. Queso was like licking his hand, you know. <sighs> One night, my wife, we have a horse, and she had been out riding her horse, and she she had ridden her horse on her neighbor's pasture, and then she put the horse into our, our pasture, about two and a half acres, and shut the gate on our pasture, but she forgot, I got to say this nicely, she, the gate stayed open. Let me just leave it at that. <laughs> and about the middle of the night, Queso picks up his barking routine. And it's one of those nights, has anybody ever had that night where you just take the pillow and try to not hear anything. Amen. I just wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to go to sleep. I figured my wife could take care of whatever's going on with queso, except my wife can be, she's small, but she's mighty. And so I began to feel a foot in my backside. Somebody say amen. So I get up and I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not happy with her. I'm not happy with this dog we've saved. And so I hate to tell you this, but I grabbed my son's Red Rider BB gun just one pump. You know, I'm going to aim for the tail. Come on. And I make my way outside and I'm in my skivvies. You don't want to picture that, but I'm outside. It's cold. I got a flashlight and I noticed in our front yard, we have cow patties. And I, I noticed where queso is barking and I shine the light and queso is going back and forth in front of our neighbor's pasture gate that's open. And there's all these eyes looking at me. Queso has herded an entire herd of black Angus cattle back into the neighbor's pasture. Amen? And I say, good boy, Queso. He's never heard me say that before. He had no idea what to do. And then I shut the gate and I, I realized that I'm like Queso. You see, Queso is a cattle dog. He'd never worked cows before in his life. And yet in him was who he was made to be. Are you with me, church? Amen. And so the, the thing that is true for Queso is also true for us. If we don't focus our effort, if we don't embrace the reality of who God has made us to be, of who God has put us on this earth to be, we have this propensity to gravitate towards that which is negative and destructive and annoying. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I want to I explore this idea of, of identity. Who are you? Why are you here? And what does God want you to do about it? I want to explore it with, with you today. And one of, the, one of the things I love to do is, is I love to see what the Bible has to say about identity. And, and here's what you're going to find. If you start to read the Bible for an understanding of identity, here's what's going to happen. It's going to show up again and again and again and again. You're going to find from Genesis to Revelation, God is telling you about his identity and about your identity. And he's helping you understand that you will never be who he created you to be outside of a relationship with him. And I don't know if I told you this, but I'm, I'm an old stoner. Amen. Everybody say, dude. And so one of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Revelation, because after I got saved, I could find that one. Come on. It's the last book of the Bible, baby. And so we're going to look at the book of Revelation this morning. In fact, we're not going to look at a lot of it. We're going to look at one verse in particular. 
And it's one of those verses, and there's a lot of these verses, where you see something I call the divine convergence of identity, where you see God identifying who we are, personalize it, who I am. You see God identifying why you're here, why I'm here. And you see God identifying to us what it is that I'm supposed to do about it. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2. And and as we look at Revelation chapter 2, i got to tell you, I do love Revelation for a number of reasons. One of the reasons I love the book of Revelation is because it is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but it's written by, by John. John is important because... Well, whenever somebody gets saved, like we watched Brandon, was it Brandon that got baptized up here? Man, whenever I would encounter somebody, man, whenever I would encounter somebody like, like Brandon or, or talk to somebody about Jesus, one of the first places that I, I try to navigate people is to the, to the book of John. Because it's written by the apostle John, who is Jesus' best friend. And if you really want to know something about Jesus, I mean, the whole Bible is true. Somebody say amen. But there's something about the intimacy level of John that puts us in touch relationally and experientially with Jesus. And so the book of Revelation is also written by that same John. And and in fact, what you see as you look at the book of Revelation is literally, here's what the book of Revelation is. John, who is now like the last, he's the lone survivor. All the other disciples are, they gone. But John's still there. He's keeping on. He's on a place called the island of Patmos. And he's basically in prison for the gospel. And what Jesus does is Jesus, Jesus walks into John's world and communicates to his friend, John. He reveals to John his will, his will for John's life, but his will for the life of the church. And I I mean the church. And so so John receives that, and it's it's a, it's a very intimate thing where Jesus and John are conversing. And, and one of the ways you know it's, it's the words of Christ is because, one, it tells us. And if you have a red lighter Bible, what you see is the words that we see here are written in red. So Jesus is speaking to John. And Jesus commissions John. Jesus tells John to write letters to the seven churches, the seven main churches, seven of the main churches of John's time. And so, so John does that. Amen. It's a good idea to do what Jesus says. So John does that. Now, as we step into this, I got to say that there are those that live today that would say, oh, you don't need to pay attention to Revelation. It's, 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 not, really, it's not really relevant anymore. Let me tell you something. The Bible is God's word. It's relevant. It's relevant then. It's relevant now. And the Bible tells us it's relevant forever. Somebody say amen. amen. And so, so, so one of the arguments that people would say is, well, well let, me, let me just say this. Well, you see, the reality is, is these seven letters are written to seven churches that don't exist anymore. So if the churches don't exist anymore, why would that be relevant to us today? Well, I will concede the reality of the fact that the seven churches that are addressed here don't physically exist anymore. There is no longer a church in Laodicea or Pergamum or Thyatira or Sardis or Philadelphia. They aren't there. You can see ruins. And yet, here's here's the reality. Though these seven physical churches and buildings and gatherings of people no longer exist where they did, the reality is, is these are seven church types that very much exist today. Somebody say today. today. They very much exist. In fact, I believe you might even be able to read the seven letters to the, to the churches in Revelation. And you might even find something that sounds a lot like reliance. Not only that, but as you read, you also might find that you're going to find something that sounds a lot like you. And the reason for that is because the Bible teaches that we don't go to church. The Bible teaches that we are the church. Just turn to the person next to you and say, honey, I am the church. (laughs) And so you might read this and you might say, man, that sounds like me. And so I just encourage you to think about doing that. Take some time and read 
the book of Revelation. Read the seven letters. But we're going we're gonna to pick up with a, a letter. In fact, the closing, the last words of the letter to the church at Pergamum. Just turn to the person next to you and say, Pergamum. If you're not spitting, you're not saying it right. And by the way, I've spit on these three boys right here several times already this morning. Just remember your baptism, boys. That's awesome. So, so we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. And one of the first things we want to do is we want to figure out, we want to figure out who Jesus is talking to. Amen? And, and I think we want to ask that question. You talking to me? Let's look at what Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 says. It says, to the one who has an ear. Now, now pause there for just a second. He who has an ear. Now, 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 now just, just, just reach up and grab a hold. Amen? In fact, why don't you reach out and grab a hold? Just grab that person next to you. Twist that ear a little bit. Now, now, now who is Jesus talking to today? He's ta- if you got ears, he's talking to you. Amen? Now, now what, we, what we've got to understand is this is Jesus speaking. And, and again, let me give you an evidence for these being the words of Christ. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Now, pause there for just a second. Then if you wanted to, just go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how many times Jesus says that same phrase. Amen? It's Jesus, baby. And he says, to the one who has an ear, but please take note of what happens next. Because there's so much in the scripture we just blow by and don't pay attention to, and we miss it. And so Jesus says, to the one who has an ear, and then listen to what he does with that phrase. He calls on something called personal responsibility. He says, let him hear. Let her hear. Let them hear. If you got ears, listen. I've given you ears, Jesus says, but now it's your choice to listen. Now listen, I've been married 27 years. Can I get an amen? Amen? Give my wife a hand. 27 years she has put up with. And, and, And here's the reality. What I found is, and this is so true, Um, my wife, she says things that I do not hear. She is shaking her head right now. In fact, here's the, here's the proof. We will have conversations and she will say, we talked about this. Amen. And in my mind, I do not remember a thing. And it used to be, I used to think, well, we didn't talk about this. But I have come to the realization after 27 years of marriage, happy wife, happy life. Somebody say amen. Amen. And and I I have come to this place where I I admit that many times we have a conversation and the lights are on, but nobody's home. (laughs) Now, I've tried to help her understand the reality of that. You see, I studied psychology at Kansas State University. Come on, baby. And I've tried to help her understand that, that there, are, there, is, there are wave frequencies that the female voice, and, and, when it, and for male ears, we just, it, it's so soothing to us. Yeah, she's not buying it either, amen. So, so Jesus says, he who has an ear, let them hear. Now, pay attention to what he says next. What the Spirit says When Jesus speaking calls on and calls out a reference to the Holy Spirit, what Jesus is reminding us of is this is what he's saying. This is what his spirit is saying. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That means you are able to receive this word internally from Jesus. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I want to point something out here. Again, this is one of those words that we can roll right by and miss. Jesus does not use the singular word for church, because if he used the singular word for church, and we read in our English translations what the Spirit says to the church, You could make an argument that this is Jesus speaking to Pergamum and Pergamum only. But please understand, Jesus is not just speaking to Pergamum. He says what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Amen, church? So what I'm telling you is this message from the words of Jesus is for us right here, right now. Somebody say, now. 
Jerry O'Neill, Continental Siding, amen. The end of every commercial, he says, call now. Come on. It's for now. Jerry, send me a check when you can. Don't know where you go to church, but uh, tithe, please. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, the next line is an important line. It's an important line because we, we find ourselves identified in this line. What it says next is two. Somebody say two. Now, if you send an email, uh, anybody ever sent an email? As, you, as you're going to send that email, you have to fill out the blank that says two. And in the two line, you put the address of who you're sending the email to, right? Same way with a Facebook message or, or whatever, text message, same deal. You, it goes to somebody. Has anybody ever sent, you know, the wrong message to the wrong person? Well, well I want you to note who Jesus is talking to. Because if we'll pay attention to who he's talking to, we'll understand something about how he sees us. And if we can understand something about how he sees us, we can understand something about who, remember the divine convergence, where God speaks to who we really are and why we're really here and what we're supposed to do about it. What we're going to see here as we look at this two line is who Jesus is talking to. And so look at what it says. To the one, or to him, to the one who overcomes. Now pause here for just a second. Do you see what Jesus thinks about you this morning? You see, Jesus is not telling you to get busy overcoming. Jesus is telling you who he sees you to be. To the one who overcomes. Jesus looks at you and he says, you're an overcomer. One way to translate this is, you're a winner. Amen? Now listen, I don't know about you guys, but I like to read. And sometimes I get so involved in the book that I cheat read. Anybody cheat read? It's where you go to the last chapter and you find out, does the guy get the girl? Does the squad win the battle? Does the team win state? Somebody say amen. amen. And so here's what we can do as we read the book of Revelation. What we find is we win, baby. Somebody say we win. And, and if we understand that we win, we also got to understand that we're winners. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, no matter what ever has been said to you contrary. Jesus is saying, you're an overcomer. Listen up. Now, now I told you I grew up uh, without a dad in a small town. And, and identity issues were a natural progression out of that. One of the places that, that I found identity was in, in relationships like with people like coaches. And I wish I could tell you that I'd been a pro football player, some kind of a college stud, but I wasn't. I just played high school football. But, but please understand, high school football coaches were huge to me. Um, one of my favorite coaches was a coach by the name of Greg Wade. And uh, Greg, Greg was a, he, he became a really on-fire Christian man. When I had him as a coach, he was trying to figure it out. Amen. And so Greg, man, he, he, uh, man, he could chew your butt like it's never been chewed before. Anybody had your butt chewed out? Come on. Amen. But, but Greg, he, he would chew your butt and then he would also put his arm around your neck and hug on you at the same time. And man, one time he was just riding me and riding me. And I, I started both ways, uh, offense and defense, offensive guard, defensive tackle. And, and I was an aggressive player. And, and, uh, and one time he just was riding me and man, he, he could see that he had really gotten to me and I was just I was just bummed out, and, and it was so cool because here's what Coach Wade did. He kind of stopped practice, and he, and he came, and, and he put his arm around me, and, and we walked off to the side, and I'm like, great. And I, I'm, to be honest with you, I, I started to get emotional, and that's humiliating. And, and he said to me, it's so cool, man. He called me my favorite nickname of all time. Listen, my last name is Schmutz, so I've had some nicknames in my time, let me tell you. And he said, he said, Schmutzball, Schmutzball. Isn't that a great nickname for a football player? Schmutzball. He said, listen, you think I don't like you. You think I'm yelling at you. But here's the reality. I'm yelling at you because I believe in you. If I'm yelling at you, what you know is I believe in you and I'm trying to help you be better. If I stop yelling at you, you got something to worry about. 
And let me tell you something. In that moment, everything changed for me. Because from that point forward, when I heard Coach Wade yelling at me, what I really heard in my heart that was craving identity and craving male affirmation, what I heard was Coach Wade was saying, I love you, man. I believe in you, man. You can do it, schmutz. Take his head off. Changed everything. And Jesus, in this line, is telling us who we are. He's saying, you're an overcomer. You're a winner. And listen to what he says about that. To the one who overcomes, to that person, and listen to what Jesus tells us about himself. To that one that I see as an overcomer, I will give. Did you hear that phrase? Somebody say, I will give. Some translations say, I will provide. To the one who overcomes, I will give. Listen, Jesus is telling us something about who he is in relationship to to us. Jesus delights to give his children what they need. What they need to complete the mission that God has for them. So listen to what Jesus says in relationship to that idea that he will give what we need to complete the mission. He says, to the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. Now listen, what the book of Revelation is all about is you see it's filled with flashbacks and it's filled with words to the present and it's filled with flash forwards. And so what we see here is a flashback, a flashback to Exodus and Leviticus and when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness. Remember how God provided for them. He provided manna. Now the cool thing about this is, is if you study what manna means, if you literally try to, try to translate manna, here's what it means. Huh? Huh? Just turn to the person next and say, huh? And, and so the best translation is this. What is it? You see, they woke up one morning when they didn't have food, and all of a sudden, God had provided manna. And they'd never seen it before. They didn't know what it was. And then they began to experience it. Manna is God's miraculous provision of sustenance as God's people followed him where he was leading them to go to that promised land where he intended them to go all along. And he came through by providing manna. Now, now how that translates to you and I, because you're a winner, Brandon, What Jesus says is, because you're a winner, because you're an overcomer, I'm going to provide for you some of the hidden manna. Now, the original manna, everybody could see it. The children of Israel are like, dude, what the heck? But the hidden manna? The rest of the world can't see the hidden manna. Can I get an amen? As you follow Jesus, your family's going to be like, dude, you are crazy. Your old friends are going to be like, what what is wrong with you? You can't follow Jesus. You can't do that. The whole world is going to be like, man, what the heck? But what you know is when you follow Jesus, all things are possible. Let me me just give you an example. December 31st, 2018. It's 5 o'clock p.m. My family and I were just enjoying New Year's Eve at our house. I go upstairs, and I, I, I run a ministry called Watchman Evangelism Ministries. It's a nonprofit ministry where I travel and preach and coach churches and that sort of thing. And I do this. I went up, and I checked my email. I had an email from PayPal. That's one of the ways that, that people that are supporters of my ministry give. And as I read that email, it said that I'd received $25,000 from PayPal, from, from a donor. Listen, when I first stepped off of the cliff to become a full-time evangelist, I cannot tell you how many people said, that'll never work. It's not gonna, God will not, no, God will not do that. You're crazy. You're leaving, you're leaving your full-time job. What are you doing? Let me tell you something. When you trust Jesus to do what he's called you to do, what he's put you on this earth to do, let me tell you something. Jesus always shows up. Somebody say amen. And all I'm telling you is that is just one small example. That's nothing compared to what every day is like. And so Jesus says, to the one who overcomes, to him, I'll provide some of the hidden manna. And I love what happens next. Did you see that little tiny giant word that follows that? It's the word and. Somebody say and. Do you know what and means? And means there's more. Somebody say amen. 
It's like when you go home today and you start flipping channels on, on Sunday afternoon TV, you'll run into the infomercial. And the infomercial will say this. If you order within the next 10 minutes, you'll get this. But wait, there's more. And when we read Revelation 2.17, Jesus is saying, but wait, there's more. And he says, and I will give him a white stone. Now, do you have your stone with you? If you don't have one, I think they have more at the back. You can get one on your way out. What, what is this all about? Well, what I want you to understand is this is literally going to happen. There is going to come a day when you're going to see Jesus face to face. And when you see Jesus face to face at the consummation of the age, he's going to look you in the eye. And one of the things he's going to say to you is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Inherit the reward prepared for you from before the foundation of the earth. Amen. But, but what else is going to happen is there's going to be a giving of things you, you didn't even know were coming. It's going to be like an award ceremony from Jesus to you. Read your Bible. It's right there. Amen? Now, listen, this, this kind of brings back another football memory for me. One of my favorite football memories of high school football was we played our games on Friday nights, but we had 6 o'clock in the morning practice Saturday morning. Amen? You see, our coaches were smart because if they know that we've got to get up at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, they know we're not going to go out partying on Friday nights. And so 6 a.m. Saturday morning was our films morning, and we would watch our game films. Now, while we watched the game films, here's what our coaches would do. Sometimes they, remember VHS tapes? You know, sometimes they would press pause, and they would rewind, and sometimes they were going to chew you out for something you did wrong. But most of the time on Saturday mornings, here's what they did. They would rewind, and they would point out what you did right. And then, as they pointed out what you did right, they'd tell you what they're going to give you. You see, we, I, listen, this may sound like foreign information, but I grew up in the 1980s, baby. And in the 1980s, not everybody got a participation ribbon. Somebody say amen. You had to earn a reward or earn an award. And so they gave out helmet awards. And the coveted, the most coveted helmet award was the skull and crossbones, baby. And you see, you wanted your helmet covered with skull and crossbones so that when you lined up across that other guy, you were freaking him out just because of how gnarly your helmet looked. And so Jesus, he's handing out awards to the winners. And, and he's going to give you a white stone. And then there's some ladies here that, that can relate to the whole stone thing. Amen? I, I, remember, I remember when I proposed to my wife, it was in the middle of a church service. Aaron's dad was my preacher. I was supposed to be doing announcements, but I had a ring in my pocket. Come on. I went down. I got on my knee, and I proposed because I was hoping she'd say yes in front of all those people. And she did. So we say amen. But I gave her a stone, and it was, a, you know, it was as much as I could afford but this stone is even more precious. And I want you to look at the significance of the stone here. Look at what it says next. And I will give him a white stone and. Somebody say and. And. Guess what? There's more. Amen. Now, again, this is, this is, this is something I love about Mexican food. Anybody here love Mexican food? Listen, after church today, when I finally shut up, some of you guys are going to go to Mexican restaurants. Amen? And when you go to a Mexican restaurant, you get free food just for sitting down. They bring you chips and salsa, baby. Now, if you're like me, you can fill yourself up with chips and salsa. But guess what? There's more. Guess what else is on the menu? Guacamole, baby. Los chiles poblanos, baby. Burritos grande. Somebody say amen. And let's not forget the chimichanga. You see, Jesus wants you to know there's more. And what I want to say to you about the more is look at the next line. What he says about the white stone. You see, we've talked about who. You're a winner. We've talked about why. 
to follow him and, and rely on that, that hidden manna. And now we want to talk about the what. The what is to fulfill the reality of who you are in this life. You fulfill it by living it out. And listen to what is on that stone. And a new name written on that stone. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad that for all eternity, I am not going to be Rob Schmutz. I got name envy, dude. How I wish I could have been born as Aaron Wallace. What a cool name for a preacher. Come on. My, my biggest name envy is, is a friend of mine in Council Grove, Kansas. He's a pastor. His dad was a Dirty Harry fan. So his first name is Callahan. Named after Harry Callahan. His last name is MacGyver. He's named after Dirty Harry and the guy that can fix a rocket ship with a paper clip and a band-aid. People get saved when they shake his hand, amen? But I want you to look at what it says. And a new name written on the stone. Pay attention to what comes next. This is important. Which no one knows except the one who receives it. As Jesus hands you that stone, the reality is, the scripture tells us, you know who you are. It's a name which no one knows except the one who receives it. Do you understand what Jesus is telling us? It means that, like the Bible says, he has put eternity in the hearts of man. That we, if we get close to Jesus, can find out who we are. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but eternity is not going to be boring. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all are glad that heaven's not going to be boring? I'm so glad. In fact, if you follow astronomy news, here's the deal. We peer farther now into the remotest parts of the universe than ever before. And as we peer out there, here's what we find. There's more, baby. In fact, there's some stuff out there that we don't know what the heck it is. There's black holes that are sucking stuff into who knows where. And here's what the Bible teaches. When Jesus comes back, we're going to rule and reign with him for all eternity over a universe that has been restored and redeemed and, and we have no idea. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has ever entered into the heart of man. That's what God has in store for those who love him. And today, what's your name? If you want to know, Jesus will show you. You, you may not know the specific lettering of the name, but here's what I know. I know the closer I get to Jesus, the more I understand who I am and why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do about it. So today what I'd like to invite you to do is, it, if you'd be open to it, I'd like to invite you to a, a time of prayer. You guys have a prayer team here. And that prayer team would love to pray with you about who you really are and why you're really here, about coming to know Jesus for the first time. But I'd like to just invite you to take that stone, hold it up in the air, pray with me. Dear Jesus, show me who I am. Make me like you. Help me live out the purpose you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.